0: Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. Today, we're joined by our good friend Becca Ford to kick off our new segment called The Art of Things. We talk to her about the intricacy and artistry that goes into coffee at every stage and how it cultivates a culture of creativity. So, let's get into it. Jacob and everyone else, this is a very exciting day for us. We are going to be talking a lot about creativity, art, and coffee. And we have a guest with us today. Jacob, please introduce our guest.
1: (laughs) I like how we had just had this talk about how you're going to bring us in and then you shoot it off to me immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Today, we're
1: joined by our good friend of many moons, Becca Ford. How are you doing today?
2: Hello, hello. I'm doing great.
1: So Becca, we've known since college. I mean, I knew Becca in freshman year because we were both in choir. And really, that's basically <laughs> like, that's that's how we, how we met most of our friends, basically. Or, or got a lot of... You Jacob know, and I are bad at making
2: friends is what he's trying to say.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I don't think that was ever in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... uh yeah, so, so that's how basically we came to know each other. And then, uh, I don't know, what was your first introduction to Nate? When, oh, this is was a good
0: one. when you let, transferred in? Yeah, I'll let Becca tell the story because this is a good one.
1: This is a good one. So
2: I actually first met Nate when I was giving him a tour. He was considering oh. attending Juniata College transferring from um, uh, the school he was at previously. And I was his tour guide. Which was not actually a coincidence. I happened to know his older sister, and um, she told me that he was going to be visiting. So I, I made it happen. And uh, Nate <laughs> did not pay attention for the entire tour. That is
0: that is not true. I I was. Focusing on other things.
2: He, his sister was along, and they spent the whole time screaming through the halls and running up the stairs. And I was giving basically his mom a tour <laughs> while they <laughs> ran around campus, ignoring uh, me. Wait, I
0: well, certainly didn't ignore you, but
2: it must have worked because he he transferred.
1: I, I did. I, I, I was I was gonna I was about to say. Sounds like you're the reason that this podcast happened because he ended up coming to Juniata, but <laughs> Actually, it sounds yes. like that didn't have much of an effect.
2: That's the correct, that is the correct <laughs> yes. I. No. You would be nothing without me is one. <laughs> I
0: know, I know, seriously, and Becca always brings that up in good, uh, good fashion every time, uh, which is good because if you think about it, Becca has, and this is going to contribute to the conversation later, but Becca helped me get the job at the coffee shop, which was like huge for me, and that was like, one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. But like, yeah, I may have been goofing off, but come on. Nate? Don't you think no. that it's important that the tour should be essentially the most fun part of the trip and not the information? We can get the information online, right? I will
2: say if you had not been yourself on the tour, I don't think... I knew I wanted to be your friend because of oh, <laughs> because oh. you were yourself on You're the tour. You're making me blush. <laughs> yeah. Even though you probably don't remember
0: anything I said, no, actually I don't, I, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't. But it's also true. It's also true that you partially had a big. Uh, you convinced me to join co- uh, choir as well, which essentially helped me build my like friend group of. Like the people I end up living with, right, and the people I consider my closest friends from college. So yeah, Becca, I know. Come on now, you're the matchmaker.
2: Yeah, again, you would you would be nothing without but, me. <laughs>
0: but it's true.
2: No, it's I was true. happy to encourage and uh, make all those things happen. For
0: you now, it's funny because we need to we need to iterate that you are in the hard sciences and I most certainly wasn't, so we never had a single class together.
2: Never did, and if no. you
0: count copying the uh, alto to the tenor in choir, I mean,
2: yeah, Nate actually he... sang alto because
0: uh, so, yeah, that's right, I sang alto. <laughs> Anyways, Jacob, come on now, what are we doing here with Becca? Well, so I mean, as you say, I mean,
1: it's somewhat of a similar situation to when we had Sam Worley on the show, where you're in the hard sciences, you're not necessarily in a field that it, that would be specified as like a creative field but you are still a very much creative person and mm-hmm. and entrenched in a lot of different avenues in which to be creative how many ways can I use the word creative in a sentence <laughs> but usually what we like to is start with all of our guesses we just like to ask what you call yourself because we think that that says more about how you approach things more than any you know lead-in that we could give you so how Mm -hmm. do you what do you call yourself
2: yeah um is the idea like what do i call myself in the context of our conversation or just
0: what do i call myself (laughs) both maybe if they're different
2: well i think in the context of our conversation i would call myself a barista Um, which is like a, you know, a common term, um, that I think most people know. And and they think of someone who works in a cafe and makes coffee. Um, but a barista, like similar to like how, you know, bartender is thrown around, um, as a term, but I think it really, like when I hear that someone's a barista or a bartender to me, that indicates that they've had a lot of training, um, in the Mm -hmm. art of making drinks. Um, so yeah, it indicates to me that they're a creative person, a dedicated person. They likely have a lot of knowledge on um either coffee or alcohol, whatever it might be. So yeah, it's sort of I think it is a very it indicates to me that, that they're a rather artistic and dedicated person. So uh yeah, mm-hmm. a barista. Mm-hmm. Um in life, I d I don't actually know what I'd say. I don't know why. I wrote <laughs> well, <that. laughs> Who
0: knows?
2: <laughs> Who knows? You know, like it changes day to day. Yeah. I Someone that. fun. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs>
0: well, I, I like that. I, I, I'm I'm happy you brought the creative part up because when Jacob and I were trying to, you know, figure out how can we incorporate somebody who makes coffee into the conversations that we that we have, uh it it clicked. It was like, Well, I think we need to have Becca to talk about tasting and pairing and, and how, how roasting works and how you go from this this bean to a taste that has different nuances and flavors. And and uh, it is a creative endeavor to go about that, specifically because, you know, I was only in that business for a, for about a year and I, you know, had to learn so much. And it's not always just about customer service. I mean, that's first and forefront at, at the forefront of the business, but everything behind it, the quality and, and just how the taste meld and how you pair it with food and stuff like that. I mean, that is not videography it's not script writing but it is certainly something else uh and uh yeah and so we're hoping that you can sort of dive into that perhaps with the, your experiences at uh at Standing Stone
2: yeah totally um yeah I mean I'll so I'll I'll preface I have no experience with script writing or videography but I <laughs> I imagine that there that there will be a lot of parallels um as we as we chat um So yeah, so Standing Stone Coffee Company is the coffee shop that I have worked at for five years now, um, which has been wonderful. Um, It's a a small coffee shop um, owned by uh, a family, Greg and Jesse, and then they've got two kids. Um, They've been open for, I believe, 13 years now Mm -hmm. um, in in the small town of Huntington. Um, And Greg, um, from the beginning, has had has made it very clear his dedication to, um, making a quality product, um, and to creating a really good place to work. Um, so that, you know, involves, you know, hiring great people and supporting each other. And also I think a big part of his mission is to ensure that everyone that works there is educated, um, and equipped Mm -hmm. to create really good coffee. Um, so that means that, that we have, Um, We take courses, essentially, um, or not even essentially, we literally take courses um, to learn about the process of making coffee so that we're educated and can, um, you know, talk to our customers if they have questions um, or even if they don't just have an understanding of of what they might want, you know, just because we have the background. So. So, yeah. So making coffee um, is. A very complex process um, and so you know when you go in to Starbucks and you buy a cup of cold brew um, you know it takes you five minutes and you might spend five dollars um, and you have a good cup of coffee and you get your caffeine whatever you go about your day um, but there is a lot that went into that cup of coffee um, at a lot of different steps and uh, yeah I mean if you all I'll, like I have I'll, I'll take us through it short version if y'all want
0: Oh yeah, oh sure. yeah
2: okay so it starts off with the coffee plant, um, and there are two main types of that. There's um, Robusta and the other one.
0: Ara- Arabica? <laughs> is it Arabica?
2: Arabica, yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh. Um, those are species, so it's like cafea, cafea, um, Arabica or cafea Robusta, um, so like actual species of plants coming from a science background. Um, that <laughs> is important to me. Um, so anyway, yeah. So those are that's the name of the coffee plant, um, and the coffee plant produces um, cherries, like a fruit um, that you'd see on any other plant. Um, and like most other fruits, inside the fruit there's like a, there's a seed or a pit. Um, and in that this case, that's what's referred what we call the coffee bean. Um, so literally, it's a seed, <laughs> um, which mm-hmm. I don't think you know a lot of people consider. Um, and so coffee is grown um, pretty much in the equator um, all around the world that's that's where the weather um, is best it kind of flourishes in a wet and dry season climate climate um so a lot of uh central and south american countries um, a lot of countries over in asia um africa that's kind of where coffee's grown and then of course there's all different kind you know types of coffee and ways to grow it The top 1% of coffee is specialty grade is um, high altitude shade grown. So it's actually grown in mountains um, underneath other trees. And that's considered the highest quality coffee. And I won't get into a ton of details because it would take forever. But harvesting coffee is a lot of work. It's done by hand um, and it takes forever. You have to hand pick all of the cherries. And then it's processed. So, well, here, I'll circle back. So kind of the first step where you can kind of input creativity into the process is... um, through the what's called terroir, which refers to the climate and the terrain and the different um, characteristics where you're growing the coffee. So, like that has to do with yeah whether or not it's shade grown or um, when you decide to harvest or how much water your coffee plants are getting, all those kinds of things. So that you know you can kind of change those variables and input your creativity there, and that will influence the taste of the coffee. And then after it's harvested, it's processed, and that's kind of like your second point to input. Creativity. So there's like a ton of different ways to process the coffee. It it sort of has to do with whether or not the cherries left on the seed um, for longer versus shorter amounts of time. Um, That again will change the flavor. Um, And that's, you know, up to the coffee farm how they want to process each kind of coffee. Um, And that'll, that'll again like change the profile of, of the product. But then the coffee's processed. And so then when um, we order it as a coffee shop. We're getting what are called green beans, um, which are, again, these little coffee For seeds, us. and they're green. They look green, uh. which, again, <laughs> I don't think most people have seen that or know that that's, that's yeah. what the product looks like. Um, but, yeah, it's this little really hard green seed. And then the the next kind of step where you can input creativity is roasting. Um, and so in order to get the coffee from that green seed, to that kind of like black coffee bean that most people can picture, um, is is roasting it. Um, mm-hmm. So, basically exposing it to really high temperatures. And so this is certainly an art. It's also a science. Like there's a lot of chemistry involved um, with knowing what temperatures to roast at for how long. Um, it's easy to burn coffee. Burnt mm-hmm. coffee doesn't taste very good to most <laughs> people. Um, I haven't had um, a much experience roasting, um, just because I've always been on the barista side. But um, watching those in my coffee shop that do roast, like it's pretty incredible. It, it reminds me of like using like a mass spectrometer. Like it's like this very you know tailored in like process of like okay, we know that this coffee that comes from Ethiopia that has been washed processed is going to be roasted at this temperature for this amount of time in order to get the flavor profile that we want. And so when you get a new coffee, at least in our coffee shop, um, our roasters will do like a preliminary roast test and cupping, which is um, cupping is the name used when you taste coffee. So they'll essentially do like a, you know, kind of like a gradient of like, okay, if we roast it at um, 410 versus 420 versus 430, 440, 450, and they taste it at all these, different points um, and then narrow in kind of what flavor profile they want. Um, so that's a big one. Like that's a big par- portion of creativity and like tweaking different variables to make it exactly you know what you want. Mm-hmm. So then you have those roasted beans um, and then kind of the final step is, is brewing and um, how you're going to brew the coffee how you're going to take the beans and put them in water and make coffee. <laughs> um, and so there's of course again a lot of options there um, as far as like Taking a coffee that was made to have a certain flavor profile, and then depending on how you brew it, bringing out different aspects of that. Um, mm-hmm. So brewing, kind of the big things that you can change are time, so how long how long you're brewing something, um, pressure, how much like pressure you're putting um, as you're like pushing the water through the beans, um, and then temperature um, that the water is at. So yeah, depending. Whether you want, you know, your coffee to be a little bit grittier um, and bring out the more like oil tones of, of the coffee that you're brewing or you want it to be fruity and bring out the acidic um, tones, you can kind of do a different brewing method um, to focus on one of those aspects. So, yeah, that's kind of like the final portion of, of inputting creativity. Um, and then, of course, you have like a bunch of extras. Like, of course, there's latte art, which is mm-hmm. certainly creative um, or you know, there's all different. There's different kinds of like blended coffee drinks that you can make, and then you have syrups, so like you can add flavoring to coffee. And so there's all these kind of aspects as a barista that um, you can bring into drink making um, and get mm-hmm. creative with it and make something that um, that will My taste good. My favorite
0: part about all of that is, you know, you outline this whole process, and at the very end, you're getting a, you're getting a shot of espresso, or you're gonna whatever you're making. You got your cup of coffee, and then can I have four pumps of vanilla and one hazelnut, please? <laughs> all of that, all of the depending on where it was grown, the 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 roast, the you know the the temperature at which you roasted, the blend if you blended, all of that stuff out out the window. We're going with the hazelnut uh, yep. vanilla combo. Well, uh, yeah, let, not... let
1: me let me argue that a little bit.
0: Okay, the, okay, the, go you for you it. You could
1: also go the the glass half full route, where you're you're saying. You know, you, you're you spending all this time trying to finely tune what this type of coffee is going to be like. And then uh-huh. even after all that process, there is so many more variables to make it, to have it be created into into all these other kind of branching paths. It's, so that's true. So it speaks to it's the true. variability. There's certainly,
2: I think, two camps on that. Like, there's people mm-hmm. that like their coffee to not taste like coffee. Yeah. And then yeah. those people are looked down upon by those of us that want our coffee to taste like it was
0: meant to taste <laughs> well. Well, you 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 talked about it in the process here, but I I want to, because it goes to my mind like this is incredible, right? So, so it, depending on how long and how uh, hot the coffee beans get in the roasting process process will determine that flavor profile, but that's not the only thing that determines it. Like you said, it depends on where it grew and how it was processed and all that. Yeah. So then after it's roasted, uh, like you said depending on the way that you brew the coffee and the way that you grind it for that brewing method also determines the flavors. So you could have one coffee bean grown in a different part of the mountain top versus low, right? Uh, Depending on the acidity, one coffee bean, and then you could roast it to be a dark roast and roast another one to be a light roast. And then you can make one into a French press and one into a, you could pull a shot and they're going to have two vastly different flavors uh, if you don't put the the hazelnut and the vanilla <laughs> in, right? Two vastly different flavors, not only with just the tasting, but the smell, the taste, and then the aftertaste, right? Yeah. And so I think I think you should go into those tasting notes and more about cupping because I think that's where there's a lot of creativity that most coffee drinkers don't experience or see.
2: Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Cupping was something that I didn't know about until I started working at Standing Stone. Um And so again, cupping is the process of of tasting coffee to truly understand the complexity of flavors um, present in in a certain cup. Um, And like Nate said, so there's kind of three main um, things that you pay attention to when you're cupping. Um, And that's the aromatics, um, which is like the smell, the olfactory um, aspects of the coffee, the taste, which is kind of the immediate sensations that you get as the coffee is in your mouth. Um, And then the aftertaste, which is when you're focusing on what's lingering on your tongue after you've swallowed. And so it's interesting, like, when when you talk about or when we talk about something like this, like, we don't normally put that much intentionality into any of our food, right? Like, we don't spend time to be like, oh, like, I'm eating, you know, a banana. Like, let me think about what does it smell like? Like, what does it taste like? What, you know, like, we don't think about that um and of He's course you know thinking
1: about the pop-tart as i'm eating it i'm just eating a pop-tart and doing something else so i can get out the door right
2: exactly yeah. um and you know it's not practical to do that all right, the time right. always right but like to take to intentionally sit down with a cup of coffee um and to to be that intentional about tasting it is is pretty special um mm-hmm. and it really like so um i'll give an example of kind of the senses that you're using to sort of take in all of this um we do this exercise um, in one of our classes at, at the coffee shop um, where we get all of the Skittle colors, so all five Skittle colors. They're like, what, green, yellow, orange, red, purple, and another <laughs> if, one? If you're working <laughs> with
0: the original ones, I think they're, yeah, okay. Oh Well, supportive. yeah, they go all over the place now.
1: Yeah,
2: you're right. The original, the originals.
1: Only purest Skittle fans will remember.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, mm. And then you close your eyes and you close your nose and you pick up a skittle and you put it in your mouth i mean you can do this anyone can do this at home Uh Uh um and so you're you know you're you're attempting to guess the color right um Uh or based on the flavor and so you start with your nose closed um and then you open it and you'll I mean if you can if you try this at home you immediately get flooded with like 80 percent more information about like the Mm -hmm. flavor of of this skittle um and so kind of putting that focus into like, okay, what am I tasting? Like where on my tongue, what taste buds are, are picking up this flavor? Like, is it a sour? Is it a sweet? Is it a bitter? Is it an umami? Um, and so that's sort of like our, our training, our fun training game to then when we go to this cup of coffee to sort of use that same intentionality and focus to decide, okay, so like when I, when I get my nose right into this cup of coffee and I, and I sniff, like I'm getting chocolate or like I'm getting... You know, floral. Like I'm getting a uh, hibiscus. I'm getting mm-hmm. berries. Like whatever it might be, um, because there's a lo- there's a lot of flavors in each cup of coffee. And so being able to kind of distinguish um, those, and then of course, same thing when you're tasting in your aftertaste to kind of pick out these like, okay, this coffee has a has like a hazelnut taste, or like there's you know, I'm getting. I mean, honestly, some of these are some of these like characteristics that are listed in, in the official coffee cupping is like dirt <laughs> this tastes like dirt or like dirt rubber it's and
1: like birdie every um, flavored beans yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And, that, and that right becca that could mean that something went wrong in in the process or it just means that that coffee bean probably shouldn't be roasted at that temperature maybe it should be a light roast right if you're getting those senses or smells or tastes that just aren't good right
2: right well yeah i mean it Yes, right. It sort of depends on what you want. I mean, there are people that they want their coffee to be hard Dirt. to drink, right? So, yeah, no, but yeah, so, but yeah. most, yeah. you know, mostly we're looking to create this sort of magical profile of like having this this great olfactory sense to it and then this this taste, this rich taste and then this aftertaste that lingers that all kind of meld together to make <clears throat> a good cup of coffee that you, you know, you want to keep drinking and that that tastes good. So, yeah, it mm. coffee cupping is certainly a creative experience. Um and takes a lot of skills that I'm still working on for sure. <laughs> like it's when my boss, Greg, sits down to do it and he's like immediately like naming off, he's like, Oh, I'm getting like blackberry and I'm getting um like whatever else and I and I taste it and I'm like, I just am getting coffee. Like I
0: don't
2: <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible to watch him do it.
0: Yeah. And, and a side note here. Uh, And I think this is important is that when I worked on the team, we always did the cupping, the coffee tasting and all of the drinking of coffee, like at nine o'clock at night when everyone was done with like school. And so I'm leaving the coffee shop at 930 or whatever. And my head is just... A buzz it. Like you're got, wired. I'm <laughs> wired. And and it's college, so that meant I had like four hours of work ahead of me, but man, we drank so much coffee at night trying to get these flavors. Yep. Good memories. Yeah,
2: you're right. They are always in the evening. I remember I did um my espresso machine training. <laughs> you know, espresso machine's what you use to pull shots, which are like ah. there's a lot of caffeine in that and when you're learning to pull a good shot, you have to taste it to know mm-hmm. what a good mm-hmm. shot tastes like. And so I'm pretty sure i I'm pretty sure I had like seven shots. and then being a science major, I had to go to lab and i I didn't I focused on microbiology, so I had to go and pipette in lab <laughs> afterwards. And so I get into lab and I'm like, my hands shaking. are like shaking, and I'm trying to like oh. pipette these you know microliters into tinys
1: As always, if you have any questions, topics, or feedback for us, you can email us at askwtd at gmail.com. But now, we also have something else to involve you in the show even more. Pretty soon, Nate and I will be starting a new segment where we'll be taking prompts from listeners. These could be writing prompts, genres to explore, stories from your life, or whatever else comes to mind. Then, we'll try to come up with how we would bring your submission to life. So once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com for any prompts that you have for us. Anyways, let's get back to it. So one thing that we didn't mention off the top is that this is a kind of Nate and mine, mine and Nate's, me and Nate and I's introduction (laughs) into... Uh, kind of a a series that we might want to delve deeper into in future episodes mm-hmm. uh that we 're calling the Art of things, uh which is basically just you know like we 're doing now with with you becca, just delving into you know how things from our daily lives have so much intentionality and mm-hmm. creativity and artistic license ingrained into them uh mm-hmm. that we take for granted and then we don 't even notice, and so yeah, this is a kind of a good uh, jumping off point because you know you're talking about all of this process of making coffee and and, and tasting and, and experimentation and things like that we just don't think of uh, usually when we think of coffee or at least for me I think of coffee shops I mean Standing Stone uh, in Huntington Pennsylvania is a staple of mm-hmm. that town mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and whenever you know we needed to go someplace outside of campus to get work done or just you know good vibes or destroy at trivia night uh, or first dates
0: last dates and all (laughs) the dates in between
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh you know that those uh, that coffee shop atmosphere is is really conducive to Mm. that creative process whether it's you know someone who needs to write something or, or you know meeting together to get homework done or something like that uh but we don't really acknowledge the environment is reciprocated not only uh across the counter but also behind the counter Mm -hmm. uh and and so do you have any thoughts in terms of you know how coffee is able to cultivate this you know more creative environment uh in kind of all fields
2: yeah i mean i think you certainly were were yeah you were explaining it very well like there's there's something magical and special about a coffee shop um that allows people to do exactly what they need. Right. Um, yeah. and I think part of it, part of it is again, so like I, as I was explaining, you know, all the process of coffee and how being a barista is a creative job. Um, I think because all of the employees at a coffee shop are assuming some level of responsibility to that creative art, right? Like they, they've bought into, to creating good coffee. Um, and so, that alone i think encourages anyone who's who's coming into this coffee shop to then experience the coffee to be like oh yeah like these people care about their art like i'm going to come here to work on mine whether that's like writing an application for a scholarship or you know they're there to have an interview or they're writing a book or they're i mean i've people come in and paint like they're i've seen people do all kinds of things um in in my coffee shop and in others that i've been to and i think Part of it is again, yeah, that like everyone there, including the employees are kind of buying into this culture of like, yeah, we're here to, we're here to care about things. Like whether it's the baristas caring about the coffee or it's the community caring about each other, um, and connecting, um, or yeah, caring about the art that you came there to do or the project that you need to finish or, or whatever it might be. Um, and it's, it, it also sort of offered the, offers this really unique combination of like support and community along with a safe space of a bit of anonymity anonymity have you say that word anonymity yeah yes yeah. um <laughs> where you know you can come into a coffee shop and of course you know you're you're welcomed by the staff and if you want you can chat with them but you can also go and sit at your table and put your headphones on and and people will leave you to do your work um mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, <laughs> So it sort of has, it has, it's a unique space of like offering again, like exactly what you need. Um, which I don't, I don't feel like is available at a lot of other places. Like it's, yeah you know, you go to right. like a, a restaurant and you're there to eat, you sit and you eat, like mm-hmm. you can't, you know, do quite as much. You go to a bar and like, it's going to be loud. And, um, of course, all those places have wonderful things to offer, but I think a coffee shop has something really special. For everyone,
1: yeah. There, there aren't many other places like in those kinds of of settings where you can pull out your laptop and people don't give you a it. weird look. Yeah. Right. Whereas you know, there there is, you know, not not an expectation, but just kind of the allowance of, you know, I'm gonna just sit in this corner and do my thing, and that's fine by everybody else because everybody's there to you know, right. do do their own right. thing, right?
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a special, and I think Standing Stone um specifically has is extra special because it's it's in this small town and so um those of us that that work for Standing Stone are not only buying into like creating you know good product as far as coffee goes but we're also really buying into creating a safe community space um for this mm-hmm. yeah. really special town that we that we love and care about um and you know Huntington has Juniata College in it it has um the hospital; it has all different kinds of socio- socioeconomic status residents, um, and all Standing Stone it wants and strives to be a place where all of those people can come and be and work together. Um, and having you know worked there for five years, like I have seen that happen, and it's it's really incredible to to see these people who may not otherwise meet come together at you know in this space, this creative space, um, and work together, get to know each other play games so yeah that's i mean and i think that's true of a lot of coffee shops especially in a small town um you know they can really serve as a a place
0: that brings people together Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like a a library in a sense where the coffee shop Perhaps doesn't have the books that a library does, but it, it does have a reliable internet connection, and it does have places where people can meet and exchange ideas, and and all of these things that a, that a library could provide. Uh, but now with the benefit of caffeine, or the benefit of a good hot chocolate or tea or something like that, uh, and and that's fun. And and I you know I've spent hours and hours working both at the shop at the Sanding Stone shop as well as doing my college work there, mm-hmm. uh, and. And so I can obviously relate to the working environment as well. But when I was abroad, I, I would go to coffee shops uh, and that would give me the same experience because I I was lonely in, when I was abroad because I didn't, I, w- I wasn't fluent enough in the in the language or stayed long enough to really create really strong relationships like I did back at home. But the coffee shop was a place where I could sit there and be a local in a sense. It was Central Europe. I could be a, a local in a sense. I didn't have to talk to anyone. I was just sitting there in a community and we were we were kind of like one in that shop even though I was an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it doesn't matter if there's language barriers or, or anything like that. A space like a coffee shop that does well cultivates and creates a, a safe and welcoming environment without anyone even having to talk to you.
2: Yeah, yeah. totally. It's almost like... Um, I don't know how often you guys went camping as children, but my family my family um was big into camping and uh sorry i'm being distracted by nate's cat (laughs) (laughs) that is adorably crawling onto screen um anyway we went camping as as a family that was sort of our vacation and you show up to a campground like a you know a family campground and for one night you're camping with strangers but you're all there together in this space and you might not talk to them or you might you know you might ask to borrow firewood or whatever but like You're all there together for this moment, creating this family of sorts. And I think every minute the coffee shop is the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I was just thinking about, uh, I mean, Nate, you talked about the language barrier of when you were abroad going to coffee shops. I actually remember uh, the first time I ever was out of the country was freshman year choir Hungary tour, Mm -hmm. uh, which actually started in the Czech Republic. And I remember we were on our own for lunch one day and it was like the first day or two. And so uh good friend of the show, Evan Quinter of <laughs> Episode 7 fame, uh, and I went to this Czech uh, cafe and they didn't know how to speak English. We didn't know how to speak Czech. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was an interesting process of of, you know, finding out what a word meant uh, mm-hmm. but also, but we were able to, you know, still communicate and it was still a nice environment and we weren't being, mm-hmm. you know, laughed at or frowned upon or anything else that, you know, Americans abroad will usually be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's like, like, like both of you are saying, like coffee is, it's like the most popular beverage in the world, I would imagine, mm-hmm. maybe next to beer, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> even yeah even abroad even without knowing the language like you can still find a coffee shop and order a cup of coffee it might look different maybe than what you're used to but like it's something familiar and something that like connects i think so many cultures um which is pretty cool Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so here's to coffee creating bridges connecting people empowering people to do things giving us energy I mean, Amen. I don't know what else, another stuff, right? <laughs> All that and other stuff. All that and other stuff. Well, back up. We fantastic conversation. Is there anything else in particular that you would like to uh, talk about? Coffee or relationship with it, or relate it to any of the stuff that we've been talking about on the show, or being a interesting person as you are, you may have something else outside of coffee as well.
2: No, I mean, I think, I think we've really we've talked all around the aspects of coffee that make it the complex beverage that it is. Um, And I think making everyone aware of how much work, how much creativity goes into creating a cup of coffee really adds to their experience, you know, when you go in and order. Um, And yeah, adds to the atmosphere of a cafe when you know that the baristas are putting in that much work and people that you don't even know in other countries are putting in that much work to create that beverage that you rely on, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty special, and and yeah, and no wonder it creates this atmosphere that encourages creativity for people to come to a coffee shop and work and create. Like, of course it does. Like, no, you know, yeah. makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's pretty special. It
1: reminds me of I, I know this was this was kind of the leaping off point, but I also just had a memory that I just completely forgot about until now, which is that. We hosted a Wyman screening at Standing Stone, uh, that's right, which was kind of a weird time. Uh, Like I, I think you two just helped set it up with Greg, and then. Most of the people that came for it were people who were in it were already saw it and were just supporting us. Or were the locals, uh, right? Yeah, the, yeah, there are a few who, who locals who came in as well. That are yeah. there anyway.
2: Yeah. They're there
1: every yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember being worried that was like, Oh no, we're just gonna be in the way of all these people who just wanna oh. get coffee or eat or something. But everybody's just like, Oh, what's going on today? Oh, that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. You know, yeah, it was just another day of standing stone.
2: Yeah, yeah, you'd be, uh, you'd probably be, well, maybe you wouldn't be surprised to know what goes on there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) there's,
2: yeah, being a barista is nothing short of entertaining. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, it's been lovely to have you on, Becca, uh, to help us kick off this, you know, new series of ours. Mm -hmm. So it was great to be well named as the art of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but. We have now hit that time of definitely not procrastinating. And so, this is basically mm-hmm. where we just uh, talk about something we watched, read, or did, or whatever this past week that uh, connected with us and helped us, you know, continue to think creatively uh, or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nate, why don't you kick us off?
0: Sure. Okay. So, mine is going to be, again, very simple. Uh, this week, uh, actually, today, it came out, uh, again, I'm on a, a Bow Miles kick on YouTube, uh, Australian uh, adventurer, right? And this time, instead of walking 90 kilometers to work for his commute, his commute now was a four-day paddle to work where he took this uh, stream river that he played in as a kid and kayaked it from you know his house or somewhere close to his house to another place where he could get into another river all the way to, to where he works, which is... I don't know, far away like it, it it took him four days to paddle it and it was like over a hundred kilometers. anyways, I think the more the, the, the whole story is about adventure in your backyard and and having less of an impact on the environment and being able to take your your mind and do sort of creative things and 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 force yourself to to really see that you don't have to travel abroad to get in an adventure right? And that it's just outside of your door. We just have to rearrange our thinking to do this. And so it takes a fantastic adventurer like Bo Miles to get somebody energized and excited. Uh, and so I, I'd i advise you, if you didn't check it out last time when I talked about him, certainly do it. Uh, check it out this time. Because he's, I mean, 29, 30 minute short little documentaries of this Australian dude who has wonderful documentary style. Like they've got drone work, they've got solid, solid editing. Uh, So on that side of things, checks, checks the box, but go for it. It, It's, it's fantastic. And I, and I, and I love it. And I look forward to every couple of years, every couple of months when he, he puts out some solid content. Nice.
1: Yeah. No no need to get Bear Grylls airdropped into a remote Island.
0: (laughs) This is not Bear Grylls. This, this is, uh, the opposite of Bear Grylls which is why I am so attracted to his work and, and how he composes himself and talks about the real real life right I mean this yeah. guy k- kayaks down this swampy river sleeps outside at, at night on next to a highway underneath the train station is eating a, a banana a can of beans and homemade bread right and then he <laughs> talks about how life is good uh, because he's experiencing it so
1: yeah. I don't know you know what that makes me think of? If I'd love if we could ever get Sam Worley back on the show. I don't know if you guys have talked to him about his month of May biking oh. a mile per whatever yes. day it was. Yeah. He, Sam's about got it. that
0: same spirit about but, him.
1: But he got yeah. that down. I'd yeah. be curious yeah. to see what his outlook is on all that.
0: The art of things. Yeah, art of Sam things. Sam Worley. <laughs> it's, it's Sam
1: Worley as the subject. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so enough of me. Uh, Becca, do you have anything, uh, for you? Definitely not procrastinating.
2: Yeah, I, well, mine, you may have stole some of my thunder, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, (laughs) I've been reading a a book, it's called journey on the silk road. Um, and it's about a long distance, uh, cycling ride, which, um, I've done before. I have, I've biked, I biked from the coast of Washington to Kansas, um, a couple summers ago. And so I'm, and I, I've done a couple other long distance, well, one other long distance, um, self propelled travel. And so I'm kind of into that kind of thing, um, and so I really enjoy reading about other people doing mm-hmm. similar kinds of things. Um, and so, of course, this is abroad, right? So it's not in her backyard. She's over on the Tibetan plain, um, but like reading about her and her friend traveling, um, and she she's a scientist, so she's incorporating. Um, you know, her, her scientific knowledge about the area that she's in and the flora and fauna. She's also incorporating um, the history and like the political tensions in the areas that she's biking through. Um, and I'm really resonating with that because on my bike ride, like there's so much intimacy lost, um, you know, when we drive and fly all over the world. Um, like we're not experiencing our landscapes really at all um, when we do that. And so slowing down and cycling or hiking, um, as I've had the chance to do it, it's just so intimate, you know, you, you hear things, you smell things, you see things, um, that you just totally miss otherwise. And so it's, um, reading her has, her book has really been inspiring me to get out and do another one of my crazy adventures. It's about time. I'm usually Mm -hmm. about every four years. So we're almost due for one.
0: Wow! Well,
1: we're excited. Yeah.
2: So, Yeah. I recommend the book.
1: Hmm. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah.
2: Uh, Jacob.
1: Well, uh, so usually I, I come in with some TV show or mm. movie that I'm yeah. trying to champion and get more people to watch today. I have something different.
0: Ooh. Uh,
1: I mean, I, I've been, I've been somewhat busy, so it's been hard to watch something anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of a, a, a broader one, uh, which I know sometimes Nate likes to do. Oh, uh, yeah. but, uh, I guess it's, it's just the idea of a, of a local sports community, uh, and yeah. I'm specifically talking about the Columbus Crew, which <laughs> is the major league soccer team uh, that I love, current MLS champions, shout out, um, <laughs> but this past Saturday was their last game in the old stadium, which was the first American soccer-specific stadium in the country uh hmm. and because uh, so they just built a new stadium uh and the first game is going to be i think july 3rd or something like that in there and so this was the last home game and it was just such a cool like emotional night for yeah. the team and like mm-hmm. all the players who have, who have been there for a long time yeah uh, and just like there there are these cool videos there's a bit uh where after every game the team and the coaches like all go to the supporter section and uh, all the supporters sing uh, I can't help falling in love with crew. <laughs> and, and, it's just, and there's a video that I retweeted on Twitter, uh, if you're interested in checking it out. But it's just a minute long thing of, of the whole stadium. It was a sold out crowd just mm-hmm. singing this to wow. the team. Uh, and then, you know, doing the chants afterwards and everything. And there's a player who's been on the crew. His name is Artur. And he's from Brazil he has been on the crew for years, and he was out due to injury, and so even though like Columbus isn't the biggest named city in mm-hmm. in the USA, obviously, but at this point he's so ingrained in the community where he spent the whole game not like on the bench or at home watching, he was in the supporters section mm-hmm. with everybody, <laughs> and it was it, it's just so cool, and, and it's that kind of community that's created around soccer and, and sports in general that that I think is just so cool uh that easily gets lost in the noise of things like fans throwing popcorn or drinks at NBA players as they're leaving the floor after mm. the playoff games <laughs> and things like that which mm. has been happening more and more the past month uh but yeah it's it's the crew holds a special place in my heart but but that game was especially cool to watch after all the troubles of crew potentially being moved to Austin and 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 then being saved and staying in Columbus and Just all all the stories that go down in that stadium and in the town because of that team. So, Mm. yeah, a little broader, a little bit more vague. But I like that. I
0: like that. Very cool. Jacob, you were talking about a video retweeted on Twitter. Uh, Where can the people find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at (laughs) Jacob Yesfak. Nice. I love it. For all my hot soccer takes and any other dumb thoughts that come to mind.
0: Dumb thoughts. (laughs) Good stuff. Becca, where can people find you?
2: I am most present on Instagram at Bexford. That's B E K S F O R D, like the car. Um, usually, if I'm doing something crazy and adventurous, you'll find some photos there.
0: Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nate Ulrich, 16, Twitter. Probably not as crazy or adventurous as Becca. Probably not anything to do with Ohio, uh, <laughs> but uh, for you, Jacob. But uh,
2: some cat and dog content.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. All right. Thank you again
1: for joining us, Becca.
0: Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. See ya. See <laughs>
1: so- <laughs> Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck you can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.